Blog Talk Radio. and a grandmother, but as a citizen, a human being, 
hard break for these young men and their families. We have to come to terms with hard Welcome tonight, America. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you joining us tonight. This is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight, we take a very clear look into the condition of America, racism in America. As we reflect on Black History Month, we take a look at where we are as a people and a nation, dealing with racism and racial overtones and racial divide. We take a trip into history and to current day issues that challenge America and black America at that. Folks, hang on to your seats. AJC Radio takes off right now. And there you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, again, welcome to AJC Radio, and we appreciate you joining us tonight. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart and William Williams and the entire AJC radio team as we get ready for another conversation dealing with something, uh, folks, that are that is really, really important that we take a look at the condition of America right now, racism in America. Uh, where are we? What challenges do we face given the violence and the things that have happened, as alluded to by Secretary uh, uh, Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton, speaking to those issues and she, her last statement she made is that we, it is time that we take a look at the condition of America. William, when you hear things like that, and you hear the Secretary speaking to it, presidential candidate uh, Hillary Clinton, addressing these issues that face black America, uh, your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's, um, it's something that has been, it's been there. It's been there all along. I think more, more and more since uh, we've had an African-American president, it's become more uh, in the spotlight. And uh, people are realizing that it's a very serious problem, but it's existed for a long time. So I think now it, it's taken the, it's gone to the national stage, and people are looking at it. Well, absolutely, Lisa. When you, uh, we are in a time and an era, if you will, in America, where, as I shared before, uh, the young lady on uh, the airplane that we were taking to uh, D.C. one of our trips said to me, "I have lost sight." And I cannot distinguish whether it's 1960 or 2015 or 14 at that time. Lisa, how concerning should we be at this point, the condition of America right now on this racial divide? Well, uh, I think it's very concerning because of the simple fact that we are a country that ha- that is, has, is very diverse. We have people from everywhere. We need to be able to have a society that accepts people for who they are, for how they were born, and their their, nas- their national origin, whatever race or ethnicity they may be, it shouldn't be an issue. I think it always will be, but I think it's a sad thing that we live in a country that's supposedly supposedly as it evolved as the United States of America, and it's hard to tell the difference because times are not changing as they should be. Absolutely, Cliff. Your thoughts on that? Well, it just proves that you know everything that we've seen in the media. Every time you look up. And you see, you know, something that's happened uh, against the black community with law enforcement. And the thing that that continues to shock me is the fact that we cannot get an indictment. You, it's it's like they 
keep going one step further to try to appease the conscience of the black community and say, okay, well, we arrested an officer or we called a grand jury uh, to investigate. But in case after case, there there's either no indictment, and, and the one, I forget whose uh, case it was, but the grand jury didn't even vote. How does that even happen? You bring something up to the grand jury, and they don't even vote on the fact of whether this person possibly committed a crime or not. That was a Tamir Rice case. Yeah, and and so it shows us, like, okay, we need, something needs to happen, something needs to be done, and I'm I'm glad that, uh, you know, uh, Ms. Clinton is, is, or Mrs. Clinton is speaking to to it and dealing with the fact that something else needs to happen. It needs to go farther. No, absolutely. And folks, uh, you want to join into the conversation tonight. It is going to be interesting. Pick up the phone, 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976. We'd like to hear from you out there across America and around the world as we continue to deal with these issues uh, in regards to racism. These are things that are very real. Lisa, and before we go further, Lisa, the disclaimer. Yes, we'd like to remind everyone that we are not attorneys and that a just cause does not provide legal advice. Please contact your own personal legal advisor for all of your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC radio. And as always, we want to thank you for tuning in and choosing to spend a little of your evening with us. And we appreciate that. Folks, the weather right now in Colorado Springs is 38 degrees. Clouds and a little sunshine peeping through. Los Angeles 81 and sunny. 46 in Washington, D.C., a little cloudy in New York City, 36 degrees and cloudy. And we give you that weather forecast to give you a bit of optimism that spring is not too far off. A little light outside as you get the kids ready for supper. Uh, but the thing, things are changing here as the seasons get ready to shift into gear. And we're excited about that. And uh, we're excited again about you joining us. Uh, and I'll tell you what, Lisa, we got some uh, information uh, at change.org, we're going to ask you folks to go out to change.org uh, and sign the petition for the IRP6. Uh, another cause going on out there is Renee Lima Marin, uh, the gentleman that was sent back to prison for 98 years after doing 15 years uh, in prison. Um, and I'll tell you what, we're trying to fight for his justice as well. Please go out there and sign those petitions. Also, the Tim Wright petition. We'll be talking about that a little bit more. A gentleman framed by police officers, our friend from Australia, Danielle, uh, has reached out that we give that message out there that folks go out there and sign. Folks, you could be signing petitions. Keep your pen and your ink ready uh, because of your keyboard ready in this case and go out there and sign for these folks. There's a lot of injustice going on in this country, and we have to come together and get it done. But right now, what we're going to do, there's some things happening, Lisa, at change.org. Folks are making comments. Folks are fighting for the RP6, and I want to tell you why they're fighting. Let's go there to the clip now. Some people think that business is a game. And what we have learned is that business actually is war. When they wanted people to find non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. Strange to me. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And, and then all of a sudden your whole life is ripped apart. What we have learned is that the RP6 story 
What's supposed to be the American dream is an American nightmare. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Um, uh, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it, it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men, six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over it. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send to jail. Is this happening in America? The American dream of the RP6 has turned into a nightmare. Crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers as justice lays idle in the streets of America. We look for the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, go out to change.org. Sign the petition now. America's future depends on it. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the IRP spec. And every show uh, on this program is dedicated to the IRP six. And the reason we wanted you to hear that, folks, of America, this is why folks are fighting for justice. Who are the IRP six? Are they some fairy tale made up people? Well, we got news for you. They're real people, real families, real pain, real situations. Who are they? We dedicate this show to them tonight. David Banks. Gary Walker, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Clinton Stewart, and Demetrius Harper. And we continue to seek for justice for these men. And Lisa, we were talking today about all of the comments at change.org uh, that people are saying, people are speaking, people are making some real uh, uh, statements, if you yes, will. They Lisa, are. did you have a couple you wanted to share with America tonight? I sure did, Mont. There's one I really like. It says, America, shame on you. You are not the land of hope and glory, but shame. These men tried protecting American citizens, and this is how they're treated. The rest of the world watches on in disgust. Who are these good men now? And that's from uh, uh, a lady in Melbourne, Australia. That's our friend Danielle. Yes. Yeah, and she's a real strong supporter of the IRP6. Uh, go here. Brian Abel in Rainer, Oregon states the evidence has been gathered. The real crime is to not act on it. Uh, another statement was made uh, that they are, this comes from Loretta uh, Perosi from Seattle, Washington, says that these men were technicians who worked hard to produce a sorely needed product. As a techie myself, I am appalled by the persecution and prosecution of intelligent people by those who obviously are clueless about how technology can be used to solve big problems. No wonder we are losing the war on terror. We are more afraid of ourselves than anything else. Go find a guy waving a gun, put him in jail. Oh, wait. Most gun owners are white. Silly me. That comes from Loretta Perosi in Seattle, Washington. But being a part of the tech world, she understands and has read up on the IRP6. William, any you have any for the people? 
Well, I, the one that got me with here is Michael McCray from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. He said this is a terrible injustice. Blake and Blake hypocrisy. He said everyone should rally to support the IRP6. I mean, simple and plain. Oh, absolutely. Cliff, did you have any you wanted to share with the people tonight? I mean, it's just so many, and these are just a few of the ones that we were able to uh, to pull up and to share with you folks tonight. The purpose of this, Cliff, right, I'll go right to you, is that to let you know this is not a isolated local area issue. Injustice anywhere affects justice everywhere. The words of Dr. Martin Luther King, this is very clear. People are outraged. They know what's going on, and we continue to plead with our listeners. Go to change.org. Sign the petition for the IRP-6. It'll make a big difference. Cliff? Yes, one that stood out to me said, this is just one case of the police sweeping wrong under the carpet for their own personal gains at others' expense. While people who have done more heinous crimes are getting slapped on the wrist. Right is right, wrong is wrong. Why should these men continue to be punished for the sake of, the sake of secrecy and taken away from their families without due process? And that's written by Bonita in Maywood, Illinois. Oh, very, very good. And to all our listeners out there across America, we thank you so very much for getting involved with this issue, signing the petition, fighting for justice for these men. Again, the IRP6, they are David Bank, Gary Walker, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zerpolo, Clinton Stewart, and Demetrius Harper. We will continue to bring these comments to you and to our listening audience out there. Uh, go out there, tell your friends, your family, your congressman, every person that you can talk to, Tell them to go to change.org. Uh, the IRP6 story is clear. There's a video out there. You can click that on. That's some of that is what you heard tonight. Uh, but this is critical information uh, that we fight for justice as we continue to every single day here at AJC Radio and the Just Cause organization. William, you had something? Yes, I, I just going through even more. And what's so amazing is, you know, everybody from around the country is basically chiming in. To support the IRP6, this one right here says, I signed just because the system has a lot of corruption, mainly against minorities. Also, intelligent minorities that can, I'm, I think this is actually wrong, disrupt the evil system. Uh, we will unite and put a stop to an evil, to an evil in the system. And this is yes. from Andrew Finch in Longview, Texas. And one other one, Lamont, that really speaks to, I mean, these aren't just people who are going out here and say, okay, well, I just signed a petition because somebody asked me to sign a petition. Here, C.J. Ford in Anaheim, California says, this is one of those sad situations where the legal process fails. Anyone that signs this this petition should also research this case, and you will see that these guys were railroading. So, I mean, people are going out there, checking on the facts themselves, and realizing that this is a case that needs to be dealt with, and that's why they're signing the petition. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, folks, again, thank you for that. And one more. Folks, this story, uh, as we said, the lady, our friend Danielle from Australia, we also have from Sharon Mountain from Tamaruni, New Zealand, uh, right? It's wrong to imprison innocent people. Justice needs to be done ASAP for all innocent prisoners. These are things. This, this story is not only crossing across the United States. It is crossing the waters and going into the... You know, thank God for the World Wide Web. Uh, people are listening. People are concerned. Lisa, your comment from Danielle said, shame on America. Right. These are people in other countries saying we have a problem. So this is something we got to look at. Folks, hang on to your seats. We visit our topic tonight here at AJC Radio, Racism in America. 
where is black America today? You know, as as in in relation to where we've come from, are we any further along than we were? And what challenges lie ahead for this great nation? We're going to talk about it here in moments. Folks, hang on to your seats. Grab some cappuccino, some chocolate, hot chocolate at that. Settle in as we get ready for another journey on AJC Radio. We're coming right back. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population But we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call one 855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. Hi, I'm an actor, and that qualifies me to talk to you about social issues. And even though my opinion is controversial, I believe that racism is wrong. Now today, what I would like you to do is take a look at your skin color and hug somebody that has a different color skin. We can stop racism together, one hug at a time. Definitely ask permission before you hug somebody. Thank you. With one call, you can change everything. To speak to a domestic abuse victim advocate, contact your local family advocacy program. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Lamont Banks. 
along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and William Williams are here on AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight we visit a very serious topic. It is Black History Month in America and the United States. And America faces challenges that are huge right now. Uh, where is black America today? Uh, we see and hear stories on a consistent basis of African-American men being shot down by police officers. And let me make this point very clear. We are not addressing all police officers. We are not addressing all sheriff's departments. But we are addressing a global issue of racism in this country and racial divide. There is a breakdown in, communi- in communities with law enforcement We address those issues tonight as we take a look at where is America? How far have we come? What challenges lie ahead? And I think Lisa Cliff William, a lot of folks think because President Barack Obama was not was uh, voted in as the president, the first African-American president of the United States, that our challenges are not real. That is exactly 100 percent not true. Uh, We have seen racism and hate grow even larger as a result of an African-American president being in office. We see divide in our congressional uh, system where the president is fought on issue after issue, and we can make it nice and make it look nice as uh, say what we want to say, but race has something to do with it. And I, I think, uh, William, that's something that we have to take a look at, that America... When, when we were in a position in the 1960s, the Civil Rights Movement, uh, being uh, chased by dogs, sprayed down with hoses, all the things that contribute to our issues in this country. There's one very critical point that's happening here. A lot of celebrities in Hollywood, a lot of folks that have a platform to speak out against these issues, refuse to do so. William, your thoughts on that, and how do we get America and those people that have an existing platform to speak? Well, I think it's, um, you know, it's something that needs to happen. People need to use the platform in which they have to address the critical issues of the country. The bottom line is we have an African-American president. He represents the people that voted for him. So, uh, so the masses basically said, listen, we feel a man of color can represent us well in the White House. But now... Because of that, elements are out there just saying, you know what, they're, they're, I mean, it, they're very, very racial, very, very racist in what they're saying, in their views. They're basically coming out there. Even one of the senators, I, I, I think it was, and I don't want to say that, but anyway, you're just saying that Congress as a whole, they're, they're dealing with these issues. Our society as a whole is dealing with these issues. And People that are out there, actors and actresses that have a platform, need to go ahead and use that platform to deal with the reality and not not be worried about the ramifications of them may may not be working in you know an actor again or have another uh, production or be in another role. No, absolutely, and uh, you know what I think America sometimes may lose sight on the issue um, that uh, there are a lot of people. Um, there's been casualties to this battle of racism in this country. People have died as a result of racism and the things that we face. Uh, we, we, it doesn't take us long to go to Eric Garden in New York City, choked to death with his hands up, stating no resistance to the police. This gives you an indication where America is right now. 
And if you look at the video of Eric Gardner and you see the police officer with his knee on his neck and he's telling the police officers, I cannot breathe, I can't breathe. And you continue to crush this man for selling cigarettes on a corner. The man died on camera. He died I mean, on that, camera. He died. Yeah. he died on camera. How much more evidence do you need of a man's death while standing there saying, I cannot breathe. He was unarmed, arms in the air, police officers around him. He said, I cannot breathe. The brutality was there. The cruelty was there towards a man that was of color. And then these guys get off. That I mean, that's what really makes it really frustrating. Absolutely. Because you see this. You see the video evidence. You needed no more than just to look at the video and say, these guys committed a crime against this man. And, and why? And, and, and I'll tell you what, William, we're going to dig into that. Uh, folks, this is some serious conversation uh, that we're going to have tonight in regards to these issues. And uh, it's something that we have to take a very, very clear look in the mirror uh, and say, you know what? We have to change. As we face an election year, uh, and America stands at a crossroad, as I say oftentimes, of decision. Uh, who we vote in that White House is critical. Who we, vote, who we vote into the seats that will come open in Congress are critical. That changes may begin to be implemented. It is something, and it is a topic that uh, Congress is looking at, and even down the criminal justice reform. We're going to get into all of that, folks. Hang on to your seat. History will be made tonight. Take notes, because I'll tell you, this is valuable uh, information. And... Uh, right now, we're going to get ready to bring on uh, Vimel Cephas. He is a performing artist, uh, actually, and, and actually performed in a case that we're looking at racism in America. We believe that was involved racial targeting with the IRP-6. But that's, a, that's my opinion on the situation. These, these men were targeted. And uh, he actually played one of the IRP-6 in a play. Uh, and I'm going to let him tell it. And uh, we're going to get ready to... Uh, to uh to bring him on and uh, he is doing some great things and he is involved with a lot of these things that are going on right now we're going to bring in uh Vimel. Vimel, how are you tonight hey i'm doing all right how about yourself doing well so good to have you and uh I've, I've been really thrilled and honored to talk to you on the conversations that we've had and uh Vimel, i'm going to give you the floor man as we talk about racial divide and issues in america uh we want to talk about i know you was able to play kendrick barnes uh, in the IRP-6 production uh, in regards to the injustice and the, the racial issues that face, uh, that, that, that they were uh, approached with and had to deal with. I want you to share with America your thoughts on that. What motivated you to play that part, and what impact did it have on you, Vimel? Uh, well, uh, initially, I really wasn't even interested in the role um, because of the, the title of it. Uh, a lot of times when you're presented with um, scripts and, and different artistic pieces. A lot of times the, the roles are very stereotypical. They want you to uh, fill, uh, fill the role of the stereotypical angry black man. And sure. um, I, at that point, I was very burnt out on doing that. So I, w I almost threw the script out without even looking at it. Uh, but digging into it and realizing what was going on, that these men were um, in jail presently and... Uh, did not really receive a fair trial, and again, beyond that, that they were doing something uh, for the overall 
well-being and safety of this nation um, and that they were what they had done everything that they had done was essentially stolen from them and then they were locked away was mind-blowing to me and um, uh, even uh, beyond that being in the IT career field as well myself uh, it, it it really struck home because that could that could be something that happened to me directly I mean uh, in reality, right now, I'm 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 waiting to begin uh, a position in a couple of months uh, that they this company is essentially doing the same thing that uh, the IRP six did, where they were uh, negotiating contracts and uh, bringing bringing in workers to f- to to work for a projected uh, contract given on. Right. on the contingency that they had settled the deal um, with the customer, whoever it may be. Um, so to know that that's a common practice, something that regularly happens with every business, um, and especially within IT, and that they were locked away for it, and then everything that they did was taken, and nobody really knows what happened to it. Uh, uh, so many different factors, and uh, key witnesses being disallowed to testify, uh really interesting case. No, absolutely. And Lamel, a question for you. We find that a lot of folks in, whether it's Hollywood, plays, movies, television, uh, the people that have a platform to address the racial tensions in America right now uh, seem to go silent, seem to go missing. How important is it that African Americans in Hollywood and everywhere begin to maybe embrace some of these roles to educate America on the racial issues that plague us today? Uh, it's extremely important, and I think, um, you know, I'm, I hate to be uh, a bandwagon uh, type of person, but uh, what Beyonce recently did was the perfect example. And, um, uh, you know, even with uh, artists like Kendrick Lamar, I believe people are starting, well, uh, African American artists are really starting to feel the need to not be silent anymore it's like you, you just you can't this it it's it's going to harm you uh because it's it's in our backyard it's it's affecting each of us and you know even be beyond our race it's it's not good for any of us no absolutely it's, and it's you know it's, and I, I won't even get into that but the you know the creation of race and all of that i'm sure you already uh, I'll I'll just <laughs> I'll step back on that. No, though that's fine, and and, and I think that's a good point. I think it's amazing that Beyonce comes under the fire because she is making a statement in a song, and she's showing in that video. They had clips of it today, where the cops are uh, really harassing these African Americans and doing what they're doing. There seems to be a distaste in the mouth of America for truth. And for raw truth at that, it is, you hear that all the time, you'll type in at the end of the year, what is the most uh, popular saying in America over the last year? One statement was, it is what it is. And that is what it is. Mm. It, it, it is clear. And until we look at it in the mirror, face on, we're never going to deal with it. And I think, Cliff, you had something to add to that. Yeah, of a male, um, just by happenstance, I, I was uh, Ken Barnes, I was his college roommate. Uh, so I grew up with him in high school.
school and through college, and we've worked actually on a couple IT jobs uh, together. But what I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, once Judge Sarakin got into uh, this play with you guys, and to to understand, to get into the prospect of of what the judge did in this case, and to realize that okay, you know, sure, this is something. This is this, uh, this is something made for seemingly for the for the big screen or the stage, but to know that you know not only the prosecutor and the people who came after them, you know, in the IT field uh, that were competitors, but to have the prospect of a federal judge not allowing witnesses, not allowing evidence, forcing a, uh, a, a defendant to testify, what does that, I mean, can you just give us your thoughts? And then, on not, then not admitting that you forced them to testify. <laughs> and, and hiding the, the, the transcript, saying, I said something, what it was, I don't know, but guess what, it's not on the record. And then every part of the case after that just, adds to the fact that, yes, something is hidden here, something is missing. What were your thoughts with that as you really got into the background and heard what Judge Sarakin, as a as a retired judge, was saying about this, that these are the facts, and he wanted you guys to uh, represent that on stage? Um, well, I, I just felt that it was it was definitely motivated by them being black men. Um, with With out a shadow of a doubt in my mind, um, you know, and e- even within myself, I, I generally don't want to ad- admit that or look to that being the first thing because I think that that can become a crutch, right? Um, if you let it, and a, and a lot of times um, blur your vision and, and understanding what the reality of what's going on around you. But um, in this case, I. I can't see any other reason outside of that um and that that when the judge sat down he was that was, those were his words exactly uh as well and when he was just um uh, just chatting with us about uh reviewing the case it, it all seemed r- rather peculiar when it came to him and um you just started digging a little bit uh, a little bit at a time and um everything that they were doing was legit it was common practice uh so what what else could there be um aside from them just being a threat in business and i mean i still don't know that that's a common business practice for you to get get put away just to to eliminate the competition sure and 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 i think you make a good point these men were doing something and the reason we're 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 addressing this issue tonight this racism destroys every part of society that you can think of. These men set out on the, with the entrepreneur spirit of America to keep the homeland safe, to address issues, the Twin Towers going down. This, this, this go, speaks to the point of how deep racism really goes and the collateral damage of racism. You have six men right now sitting in prison, Five black, one Italian American, and the gentleman said to me, "Well, uh, Lamont, if he's with if he's with blacks, he's black." Martin Luther King, when he marched, the white folks were treated yeah. worse. They were sprayed down and, and treated bad. You know why? Because they associated themselves with African American. This Italian American falls under the same guideline. And what what you have here, 
how do we as a nation allow such divisive racism, things that cut to the core, and destroy families? You took men from their children, from their wives. This is the cost of racism. And nobody wants to speak about the, big, the pink elephant in the room. It is in the room. It's in the bathroom. It's in the kitchen. It is everywhere. And these are things that we have to address. But, Mel, next question for you, and I know we had talked about your time, so I'm going to respect your time. What else okay. are you doing in regards to dealing with Black History Month as, as an actor, as someone who is involved that does have a platform? Are there other avenues that you're doing to bring awareness to America and to that, to that area in which you work to educate the American people of what's out there? What other uh, uh, things are you doing in regards to that? Uh, well, myself, I've, um, I've I've been this year has been a, a huge transformation for me. Um, I I haven't really um, taken too much of a voice in uh, any of these issues until now, uh, especially with my my recent exposure to uh, the things that are going on in the the prison industrial complex. Um, uh, so I use every means that I have um, email. Twitter, all of my social profiles, uh, anyone that follows me is aware of the IRP6 case um, and um, the immigration detention centers. I've also uh, just um, did a, a play that, that dealt with what's going on in, in that arena, and I've uh, recently been working with a, a, a local project called Playwrights Project where we go into the prison and um, help the prisoners with um, getting their voice heard, uh, they 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 write their stories, they tell their stories, and um, we make um, opportunity for those uh, plays to be performed within the local public, uh, so that people are aware of of what's going on. Okay. Well, well, Mel, we we salute you for what you're doing here on AJC Radio. Anything that we can do uh, to promote what you're doing. Um, we will continue uh, to do that. Uh, how can folks get a hold of you if they'd like to reach you? Um, uh, you can always find me on uh, Facebook, just V-I-M-E-L, um, or Twitter. I go on by Groove Central SD, Vimel Cephas, V-I-M-E-L-S-E-P-H-U-S. Okay, and uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Vimal, we appreciate you taking time tonight as we address this very important issue, and I think what you're doing is, is respectable, and we admire you uh, for the work and what you've done in regards to the IRP-6. We appreciate you uh, letting everybody know that follows you about the IRP-6. Uh, feel free uh, to direct them to us. If there's anything that AJC Radio and the Just Cause can do to promote what you are doing, uh, we are workers together to bring justice uh, to the United States and around the world. And uh, we really, really appreciate you taking a few minutes. I know you have to be swamped and busy. We apologize for the horrible weather you may be experiencing in San Diego, California. <laughs> tonight. But, uh, yeah, all that, all that sunshine. I don't yeah, know, man. It's tough out here. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but, well, stay in touch with me and our and our team here. And uh, anything again we can do to help. You have a friend and an aide in AJC Radio and a Just Cause. All right. Thanks, Lamont. And it's been a pleasure. Uh, please let me know anything further that I can do. We definitely will. Thanks and have a great evening uh, and enjoy your rest of the day. All right. Thanks. You do the same.
All right. Thank you so very, very much. And, uh, folks, there you have it. Uh, the bell says, um, a gentleman out there doing some things and took it upon himself with the RP6 to get involved. We talked earlier about the price of racism. Cliff, when you hear him talk, he said he initially wasn't going to do it because of the stereotype right. involved with the fact. And he said he didn't want to use the race card, so to speak, but he was forced to based upon the facts. Your thought on the, your thoughts on that? Well, it, it just continues to show that as, as anyone digs into this case, they find out that something went terribly wrong. When you, you look at, uh, you know, um, Vermeil saying when he sat down with the judge, Judge Sarakin, and he started to talk to him about this, that Judge Sarakin came up with the same conclusion that sure. the reason this happened to these men is because they were black executives that were competing with uh, large white American companies. That's right. And that is the reason that all this came about. And, and like you said, Lamont, it is the, the, uh, the fallout and the, uh, you know, just everything that happens with racism. It's not just, okay, you get called a racial slur or, or you, you don't get a job because you're a certain uh, race, color, or creed. But you look at the fact that these men have been spending nearly four years in federal prison. One reason that it all boils down to, and this is not just me saying this, it boils down to the fact that they're black executives. And for a retired federal judge who knows the law, practices And who law, is white. And who is white. Yeah. Said the reason this happened to this to these men is because of the color of their skin. And he his his playwright that Judge Sarakin wrote is called The Race Card Face Up. It's there, time there to go. deal with it. Wow. Well, folks, there you have it. Uh, we're coming right back. And listen, the RP6 story of racism in this country is a very small part but a huge impact on the lives and the families and the children of the RP6. When do we say it is enough? Racism cannot be tolerated. We're coming right back. I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, William Williams, as we continue to dig into Black History Month racism in America and what are the challenges that lie ahead for black America. We're coming right back, folks. Stay with us. Do you know Do you anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United, the United States, States is experiencing record numbers record of exonerations in cases, cases where people were wrongfully were wrong convicted of crimes they did crime not commit. Not. If you believe, if you believe that, that no one should no be sent to prison for crimes they did not commit, commit, there is something there is that you can do you today. Can do today. By remembering, By remembering just, just cause with a monthly, monthly annual, annual, or one-time one donation, donation, you can help you can fight against fight wrongful convictions. Call just or visit a just and click the donation. Here's how many white folks can be to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances are one out of fourteen. No, no, black guys don't expect the same thing. The chances are one out of three. Why? Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated. But one thing is clear. 
racial bias at every level of criminal justice. When black rights commit the same kind of crime, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be arrested. Once convicted, they're more likely to be arrested. Once convicted, they're more likely to be arrested. Ladies and gentlemen of Southern Colorado, did you know? Did you know? PBR, PBR professional, professional bull rider, is headquartered right, right, here right here in Colorado. In Colorado. PBR, PBR is an international, international professional bull riding organization based in Pueblo, in Pueblo Colorado. Colorado. In 1992, 20 bulls from the Rotary Circuit, 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 circuit came circuit together to give life to a dream that they all shared. The uproar over the events and their fallout in Charleston has led President Obama to talk about race in the most blunt language the American public has ever heard from him. In doing so, he used a controversial word, one steeped in a legacy of hate, to make his point. NBC News White House correspondent Kristen Welker has that part of the story. The massacre in South Carolina shocked a nation and jolted the first African-American president to speak with unprecedented candor about racial tensions and gun violence. Racism, we are not cured of. In an interview with podcast host Mark Marin, a frustrated President Obama used the N-word publicly for the first time as president. Out of sensitivity, NBC News has decided to bleep out the word. And it's not just a matter of... Uh, it not being polite to say nigger public, that's not the measure of whether racism still exists or not. It's not just a matter of overt discrimination. We have to, societies don't overnight completely erase everything that happened two to three hundred years prior. The reaction raw from South Carolina today. He wasn't trying to sugarcoat anything. I think everything he said was spot on. I really thought we had progressed beyond that. At historically black Howard University, callers took to the airwaves. What has to change is the hearts and minds of the people. So true. He shocked us into an awareness, and I think it was so effective as a person who is the president of the United States of America trying to lead us and guide us through these treacherous uh, waters of race in our own time. In 2008, Mr. Obama rode a wave of hope and change into office, but statistics show for African Americans, significant problems remain. The unemployment rate among blacks has dropped, but at more than 10%, it's still double the unemployment rate for whites. Blacks are incarcerated nearly six times the rate of whites. And while hate crimes have declined, more than two-thirds are directed at African Americans. Dylan Roof's actions in South Carolina also renewed the president's call on guns. I don't foresee any real action being taken until the American public feels a sufficient sense of urgency and they say to themselves, this is not normal. As emotions run high over these issues, the president is acutely aware his window for action is quickly closing. And there you have it, folks. Uh, that particular clip, President Obama speaks bluntly on racism and the issues 
that face America. He went on the radio show. He spoke the language that people understand. And that's the N-word being used on a consistent basis. Uh, And the racial slurs that are being done to African-American communities in this country. The president, and as the news report stated, the president is aware that the window for change as he exits the White House is, is a very, very small window. What do we have to do, Cliff, going forward as we continue to try to echo the president's message that this is a real issue? This is a real problem, and it must be addressed. And I think the president is taking some steps to deal with that. Yeah, and the first thing that has to be done is exactly what the president has done is to expose what's going on. I mean, you've got to put the issue on the table. Everybody in America knows that there's still racism in America. But if we don't address it, if we don't deal with it, we don't put it on the table, if we don't bring it to light and say, hey, this is an issue we have to deal with, then it becomes, you know, the the giant elephant in the room that everybody knows is there, but nobody nobody wants to deal with. So President Obama has said, hey, we need to set this on the table. We need to look at it as ugly as it is, and we need to start to dissect it and deal with it. I mean, it no. is an issue that has to be dealt with. We cannot just keep pushing it in the background. I mean, from everything, like he said, from, you know, just racial slurs in public, all the way to the fact that racism has come into the courtroom and you have judges sentencing people for the color of their skin. That is an issue that has to be dealt with. Otherwise, it's just a continual thing. Sure. I mean, we're in 2016 and you still see uh, trials where judges are sentencing people the way that they want to for the color of their skin. You still see that people are being prosecuted because of the color of their skin. You still see law enforcement attacking black men and not being held accountable for it. When you can kill a man in public on film, namely Eric Garner, and the whole world sees it and the even the coroner says this is a homicide. The coroner said this was not an accidental death. This was not, you know, something else. This is homicide. You killed this man it's basically murder, and no charges were brought forth. Tamir Rice, same issue. How do you shoot a 12-year-old kid? Uh, this kid is unarmed. He's got a play gun, and you jump out of your car as a police officer and begin to shoot him, and no charges are brought against you. Those are the type of things that we put on the table. That these are this is this is because of racism, yep. and it needs to be dealt with. Otherwise, it's just going to continue. And I'll share this, and we have a, a very talented uh, young lady that's going to be joining us in here momentarily. Uh, Tammy uh, Donnelly is going to be joining us. But listen to this, an article that was written by Harry Ziad. He writes this, that racism, the story goes, uh, has gone from something kept in the dark margins of society and generally frowned upon to something regularly shouted from rooftops with pride. But racial disparities have existed in the healthcare, education, poverty rates, and on almost every other structural level for as long as this country has existed. Since, since when is saying something racist more of a problem than maintaining racist structures? It's a climate only shockingly ugly. If it puts words too shockingly ugly, realities that are already here. A recent CNN article explores the newly erupted white frustration with non-white ethnic groups, particularly black and immigrant communities. Through a series of interviews uh, regarding Barack Obama, for instance, the article states many Trump supporters 
say he can't be trusted. He cares more about the welfare of black people than whites. And he's inflamed racial divisions in this country. Others say they're convinced that he's Muslim. This is the problem. They're insane. When they're faced with truth, they want to defer or deflect. That's not going to get us anywhere as a country. How can you They never want to just look in the mirror and say, look, we have a problem. But we want to blame other folks uh, in regards to that. Right now, we're going to get, have an opportunity, uh, and we're going to get back to that subject, uh, uh, William and, and Cliff and Lisa. But let me uh, take a moment. We're going to try to bring on, uh, excuse me, Tammy Donnelly, who is done. And I had an opportunity to speak with her. She deals with a lot uh, of, of, of racial issues, disparities, things that face this country. And we want to bring her on right now. Tammy, are you with us? Yes, hi, I'm here. Thank you so very much for joining us tonight. And again, uh, uh, we played we played a little phone tag today, but I'm glad the, the messages and thank God for text and things along those lines that we were able to catch up with one another. How are you this evening? I'm good. How are you? We're doing well. And Tammy, I don't know how much you've heard of the conversation. Um, are you outside right now? Yes. Yes. You are okay. We were hearing some some background. So uh, uh, is Hopefully, is that just the air? I guess the outside noise. Yeah, that's yeah. the outside. <laughs> okay, we're going to try to do it. I don't know if you can get somewhere to a closed area. Uh, if that helps, maybe into a a room. You're down there in Florida, right? Yes, I am. Yes. Okay, so we're going to try to work with us. If we have it where it gets really, we'll we'll just bring it to your attention. Is that okay? Okay, that's no okay, problem. problem. Okay, Tammy, I don't. We're talking about the racist problem, the racial issues facing this country. You and I had shared about some issues down there in Florida. We we talk about, as Cliff alluded to, that racism and racial disparities now has crept into courtrooms, in police departments. And you were sharing with me this week some things in regards to what you are dealing with down there in Florida and some other things that you're fighting for justice. I'm going to give you the floor and let you tell the folks about it, okay? Yes, yes. Go ahead. Uh, here in uh, Florida, um, we have a we young have man... A- that was that actually uh, running uh, from um, uh, the uh, uh, bail bondsmen, so say, so they say, and, and he ended up, end up supposedly up jumping to his, own, his death. own death. His name was um, um, George, Alexander. George Alexander. He was a 21-year-old uh, young boy, which we do which not. We the family does not believe that he jumped to his own death. We believe that he was pushed over a bridge, which was only hmm, a good maybe five feet. And in the water was only four feet of water. And they're trying to say he drowned in four feet of water. And he's a six-foot, 21-year-old, healthy young man. Um, basically, they ruled his death out as accidental, which we know it's not accidental. He was being chased by the Florida Highway Patrol. Then uh, bail bondsmen came in and chased behind him on foot. And two days later, he was found in the canal. So in the autopsy, um, the coroner's office took his body, would not uh, let his family see the body for at least two weeks, stating that it wasn't in good shape for them to see or even identify who he was. So at that time, the family believes that um, they did some things that they weren't supposed to do and they try to hide things. Oh, my goodness. So this man... Let me make sure I heard you correctly. Uh-huh. Uh, they said he drowned in four feet of water? Yes. 
It's actually four feet of water. We all went out there and measured it. Um, it was actually only four feet. And, it, and the bridge is not very high to jump off of, actually. There's a, a, a seven-year-old can jump off. It's just like a, jumping in from a, a diving board into a pool. Sure. That's how high it is. Okay. And, and they claim that he died in four feet of water, which we don't believe that. The family doesn't believe that. Um, I went as far as calling the ACLU. I went um, to the to the um, the newspapers, the Post that we have here in Florida. I went to the news. Um, I actually got um, one of the news staff to go to the family's home and do an interview. Okay. Um, I mean, we I, I've tried to contact everybody that I possibly can to help with this case, but it just went it just went nowhere. It went nowhere. No, we didn't hold no, you know, we didn't hold no rallies like the Corey Jones because it's the same incident as the Corey Jones case here in Florida. I mean, okay, I tried, have, I tried to you, do everything that I could. No, 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 I believe you. And and Tammy, have you reached out to members of Congress for Florida uh, that are in Washington D.C. to address this issue? No, no, I can only have go, gone on so far. Um, I try to get the sister involved because the mother was too she couldn't do anything because that's not the first son she lost she lost a son three years ago to a murder that you know uh, someone killed him as well so this is a second son within a three to four year that got killed that got killed so she wasn't ready to um to deal with you know to deal with that so the sister was trying to deal with all that herself which i had her in contact with a lot of people but it just seemed it went nowhere i don't know maybe because there wasn't money issues um i don't know i mean i i tried to be heard um and it, it even hit the newspapers but did they do anything no why because he probably because he his his race you know and they think oh you know he's he had a past history of um of um drug charges and you know, stuff like that. So they looked at him as he was nothing. So he's the nobody of society, so we can run him down and kill him and say he drowned in four feet of water. Let me tell you something. I don't have to go to Harvard to recognize a six-foot-four gentleman is not going to drown in four feet of water. Uh, Impossible. It just doesn't happen. And I'm going to tell you, Tammy, right now, and let me ask you a question. As you see and observe these things, it has to become frustrating. That, and, and, and it's a clear picture that we're talking about on this show tonight. Black lives, in society's eyes, do not matter. Because they continue no. this pattern of killing black men. How do we, wh I mean, wh how do we change that? And that's just one case that you're dealing with. You have to see, you've probably seen a number of issues. And again, he was the wrong color, so... Who cares if he died? Right. That's, un that's unacceptable. What, 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 what mean, motivates you to wake up in the morning and keep fighting against this racism in this country? Well, I mean, my brother, you know, my brother was a victim, you know, to he, 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 not, he didn't get killed, but he was accused of things that he did not commit as well as a younger um, adult and prison for it. But now he is out. So, um, but every day I, I just can't believe how, you know, how these young boys are, are getting thrown in jail 
or getting chased by the police and they're getting chased him to their death because basically that's what they did to George. They chased him to his death and they're not getting, nothing's happening. They're not, they're not getting fired. They're not getting, you know, I, I just, I just don't understand. And, and, and I wake up every day not understanding how, how these things can happen. And I don't know. I just, sure. it just, it just amazes me. And just like the, uh, the young man that I'm fighting for in Florida now, uh, he's Hispanic, but he was accused of a homicide that he didn't commit as well. And I've been fighting for him for almost two years now. So um, instead of, you know, he was only 16 at the time of that crime. 16. And, um, 16 years old on that crime. And he was Hispanic, but, you know, the whole, the, his, where he lived, that they, they didn't like him because of his family's past history, not his, his mother. So they basically, you know, had a problem with him, you know, and decided that they're okay. Um, this guy said that he, he's the one that shot this person. We're just going to go ahead and arrest him off of information and charge him with murder. There well, was okay. never physical evidence. There was nothing, just information. And he was convicted? He was convicted of uh, second-degree murder. And how much time and he is they... doing a 30 he's doing 35 years with 25 mandatory. Wow. I'll tell you what. For, yeah, it's, it's sad. Florida is is has no zero tolerance. They don't give you no chances. Instead of, incarcer- instead of rehabilitating, they're incarcerating. It's, it's very sad, especially with the young the young people. No, I, and I agree with that. And we deal with the issue of the gentleman, and I'll have research team look him up, uh, the gentleman that was killed in the a Florida County Jail. Uh, Lisa, you remember that story where he was cooked, yes, uh, yes. basically made lunch or an entree, boiled in a shower to his oh, yes. skin, separated from his body. And he was in mm-hmm. jail for a very minimal amount of cocaine. I believe we talked to his brother mm-hmm. that said he was never into drugs. They killed mm-hmm. and locked him in the shower. What yeah. the heck is going on down there in Florida? And uh, Florida is terrible. There is a death every day here in the Florida prisons. Every day. An inmate just died a couple weeks ago um, from Wakula uh, Correctional Institution. Of course, another black male. Um, mostly all the, all, you know, mostly what you're seeing dying in our Florida prisons is the black males. You know, I don't know why, I don't know what's going on, but I know of that case of where, um, this man got burnt in the shower and his, you know, basically his skin was falling off. That's how hot it was. Yeah. And, uh, and and he's not, that was in Miami-Dade correctional. Yes. I know about that story. It's unbelievable. It, that, it, that, it yeah, is. That. And do you guys, I mean, down there is, is I mean, the, the sheriff gets voted in. So, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the communities have got to uh, come to some conclusion that, hey, we got the vote, the wrong sheriff out and the wrong sheriff here. And, and, and I mean, you, you as a community, you have to make your voice heard all the way up to the governor of the state. All the way up to the... Oh, well, this governor of this state don't give... Excuse me, a damn about inmates. He can care less what happens to inmates in the state of Florida. Rick, uh, Governor Rick Scott, he doesn't care. He can care less if they live or die. 
I mean, he's he, he claims he's brought Julie Jones in to try to clean up the prisons, but nothing has been done. Nothing. And There's I'll still inmates dying on a daily basis. That's unbelievable. And we have the nerve to act like, oh, we're beyond that. We're, we're past that. The gentleman's name is Darren Rainey. Uh, he's the gentleman that was killed in the shower. And it says after three years, officials finally rule black mentally ill inmate Darren Rainey's torturous death in Miami prison an accident as of mm-hmm. January 7th. How is that an accident? How is it an accident when you turned up the, the water to 180 degrees and boiled him alive? Mm-hmm. An accident on whose part? He didn't take part in, the, in his accidental death. Therefore, it is it's the responsibility of the uh, of the facility that he was at. This is not an accident. You boil a man alive and have another man clean up his body parts. That's not an accident. That is murder. That's murder. And uh, and Tammy, uh, I will tell you right now that we're going to do everything that we can at AJC Radio to get the word out about this gentleman. I'd like you. I think you forwarded me that information already. Uh, we're going to dig into that. We're going to post uh, contact information. Have you started a petition on change.org to seek justice for these men? Um, well, on change, well, I have for Stephen Castaneto, the one that's doing the 35-year bid right now. I have for mm-hmm. him his sister, for George Alexander, his sister was to start a petition for him. I don't know how far it went. I only could go as far as I could due to the fact that I'm not a family member, so I couldn't sure. really... Um, talk and do a lot of things that I really wanted to do. So I forwarded the information to the to the, the sister, and it's, I don't know how as far as she went. But I personally try to get the word out there myself, which I did. It went to the media, of course, but that's as far as it went. Well, Tammy, this is what I'd like to do going forward. Uh, we would like to set up a show. I'd like you to get a hold of the family, the family members, mm-hmm. and we will do a show in regards to the injustice that these men have endured. And I definitely want to deal with the fact that the man uh, and the mother have her come on and tell her story, losing two children, and then the absurd explanation that a 6'4 gentleman died and drowned to death in four feet of water. We want to bring a show and make our listeners aware of what's going on, uh, and we will post something on our website to contact information. You can forward that to me uh, as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, we will push for justice. Uh, for these men, it, it's not about what happened before. What can we do now as the America right. continues to look away from these type of tragedies? And I was looking at the Darren uh, Rainey, as you're talking about Florida and the things that go on there, uh, says after allegedly def- uh, uh, in, in his cell, after uh, Rainey was in his cell, he was locked into a tight shower and blasted for nearly two hours. With water that was over 180 holding hot degrees. Mm-hmm. And he was begging for his life, screaming apologies and remorse so loud that other inmates could hear him. The officers kept the water so hot and forceful that the steam began to melt off Darren Rainey's skin. And you're going to tell me on January 27th, an investigation yielded this was an accident. Every person in right. the investigation should be fired, should be brought up on murder charges. That's what I said when I seen the article. I don't know if you've seen another article here in Florida that, you know, of the three white men that were correctional officers that were um, planning to kill a black inmate. 
um, he was getting ready to be released from prison, actually. And um, uh, so another guard overheard them speaking and um, said that they were going to kill him before he was released. So they um, actually put him in, uh, it put the black inmate into um, protective custody. Mm-hmm. And um, the three white men actually got charged and come to find out um, after they did backgrounds on them, they were they were um, involved in the KKK. Wow. What? You know, what? and that's he that's here in Florida. This is what's going on in our prisons in Florida. The women are getting raped. The men are getting killed. This is what's going on here. And Governor Rick Scott is just sitting down doing absolutely nothing. He's allowing the guards to kill innocent people people just because they're in jail they don't deserve exactly right exactly right and tammy we are going to reach out to that governor's office as an advocacy group uh we're going to seek for justice for the this is unbelievable lisa when you hear this uh and tammy i salute your efforts for what you're doing down there i appreciate you reaching back out to us uh, to to bring this thing, and we again we playing fall tag a little bit, but I tell you what, we're engaged now, uh, and we right. are going to get involved with this and anything that we can do. This is horrific. So I want you to give the families my phone number. You have it. Give it to them. We we can do a mm-hmm. conference call, whatever. And we're going to talk to these families. We will set a show dedicated mm-hmm. to for them to share their story. This is unbelievable. And I'll tell you what, this is Black History Month we're dealing with, but minorities as a whole in this country are targets. Hispanic people Very much are so. targets. Asian people are targets. If you're anything but white America, we have a problem. And we got to deal with that. So, Tammy, how can folks get a hold of you? Uh, I'm going to be respectful. Do you have much? Can, can you come back with us on the other side of this break? Or, or are you yes. in a rush to move on? Oh, no. I can come okay, back. All right, Tammy, we're going to bring you right back. Right now, we're getting ready to go to go to break. On the other side of this break, Tammy, we will come back and continue uh, to talk to you. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen of America, make no mistake about this. The frowns in this studio right now and the faces of our people here is self-evident of the disgust that every American citizen should be outraged. Something has to happen. Tammy is down there trying to make a difference. She's Lined up with an ally tonight of No Nonsense with AJC Radio and a Just Cause as we seek the message to bring the message of justice all around the world. Tammy, we're coming right back. Folks, stay with us. If you want to join in the conversation, feel free to call at 347-838-8976, 347-838-8976 as the discussion continues on the racial disgust and disease that is plaguing a nation. We're coming right back. Ladies and gentlemen of Southern Colorado, did you know that PBR, Professional Bull Riders, is headquartered right here in Colorado? PBR is an international professional bull riding organization based in Pueblo, Colorado. In 1992, when 20 bull riders from the rodeo circuit came together to give life to a dream that they all shared, they never imagined it would be so quickly developed into what has officially been declared the fastest growing sport in America, the PBR, the riders pulled their resources, $1,000 a piece, 
and broke away from the confines of the rodeo format to make bull riding the most popular of the seven events in traditional rodeo, a standalone sport, and take it to major markets across the United States. Today, the visionary founders are riding a wave of popularity as the PBR continues its charge as one of the fastest-growing properties in the history of sports. The concept is simple. Match the world's best bull riding athletes against the toughest animal athletes on the planet in an eight-second man versus beast duel. More than 1,200 cowboys from the U.S., Canada, Mexico, Brazil, Australia, and New Zealand hold PBR memberships. How would you like to work for this great company? We are hiring right now. We are currently looking for an associate attorney, public relations manager, social media manager, and digital project manager, to name just a few. Folks, check out our website to view more of our open positions at www.pbr.com. And you can also send an email to recruiting at pbr.com or make a phone call, if that's better, at 719-242-2800. Folks, bull riding is taking off, and it all starts with PBR. I want to go to what President Obama uh, said um, around the arrest of Harvard professor Henry Louis Gates, uh, arrested again um, at his home by a white police officer. I mean, Gates had lived there for years. He had just come home from a trip responding to a report of a possible burglary. The incident sparked a debate about race relations. President Obama was asked about it during his fourth primetime White House news conference. I don't know, not having been there and not seeing all the facts, what role race played in that. But I think it's fair to say, number one, any of us would be pretty angry. Number two, that the Cambridge police uh, acted stupidly in arresting somebody when there was already proof that they were in their own home. And number three, what I think we know separate and apart from this incident, is that uh, there is a long history in this country of African Americans and Latinos uh, being stopped by law enforcement disproportionately. That's just a fact. As you know, when uh, when I was in the state legislature in Illinois, we worked on a racial profiling uh, bill because there was indisputable evidence that blacks and Hispanics were being stopped disproportionately. Uh, And that is a sign, an example of how you know, race remains a factor in the society. That doesn't lessen the incredible progress that has been made. I am standing here as testimony to the progress that's been made. And yet, the fact of the matter is, is that you know, this still haunts us. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen of America. The president is clear. He said these racial issues are in our face. People continue to die. And we're trying to get Tammy back. Uh, We lost a connection there, so we're trying to get her back on. Lisa, when you listen to her tell the story, she said she reached out to the governor's office. What in the world is the problem? Is it just something people refuse to deal with? If I tell myself long enough, I'm sorry, Lisa, if we tell ourselves long enough it's not an issue, does it, that's not going to disappear? No, it's not. Your thoughts on that? 
I think it's that people, no, I don't know if it's necessarily they don't want to deal with it. I think that a lot of people really don't care. That's even worse. I know, but I really believe that it boils down boils down to people just not caring about what's happening. They just they put it out of their minds. It's not something that concerns them. It's not happening to them, so they don't pay any attention to it. They just don't care about it. If it was affecting them on a daily basis, they might feel differently. But this is something that's not affecting them personally, and they just don't care. No, and I agree with you, Lisa, on that. But I, we this is an epidemic. I mean, we are going backwards. We're not going forward. Absolutely. And the president made it clear. He said, because I'm standing here, people tend to think we've arrived. We've not arrived. More... African Americans in the last couple of years, unexplainable deaths, the, the deaths that Tammy is talking about down there in Florida. The man pleaded for his life, as I read the story on um, the gentleman in Florida. He was begging them, please stop. He's apologizing for something that he didn't even do wrong. And they continue to torture him. How do you rule that in accident? It's sickening, and that is why. The, that President Obama in that last clip that was played, that he says the racial the racial plague still haunts us as Americans. That this is not um, you know some a few little incidences here and there. It is a plague of racism going on in the country, and it has to be dealt with. And like Lisa said, you know, uh, there's a lot of people who don't care because it has not come onto their doorstep. It has not showed up on their front lawn with a, a burning cross or a clans member in a uh you know in a in a white hood so then most of america says okay well it's not an issue but it is an issue because you look at the the fact that um you know sure lynchings have calmed down but now you see people with badges law enforcement is taking it upon themselves to conduct the killing of uh, of uh, African American black men, whatever you want to call us, and then you look at the you look at the prison system, that you see the that uh, mar- minority inmates far outweigh white inmates, and then you look at the court system, you look at prosecutors, you look at law enforcement, you look at the whole socioeconomic structure of America is geared against the minority, and you have to say. What is going on? I mean, other countries have to look at us and say, you know, what is going on in America? And how is it that this is a country that's been around for uh, going on 250 years, but you still have race relation issues? It's it's, it's unbelievable. And going back to the article we read uh, with Harry Ziad, he writes this and he makes the statement. The truth is white America's silence around racism is no longer working. Organizations like Black Lives Matter and the Movement for Black Lives refuse to let it, shining light on all of the issues it would prefer to ignore. In its place, a resistance to that challenge to pay attention gains traction. It is reminiscent of blatantly racist political response to Reconstruction after the Civil War, but it is only more of the same. Non-white communities have felt and challenged racism throughout, while many well-meaning white people only concern has been to cover it as much as possible because the only other alternative would be the much more difficult task of destroying it. Think of that. Rather than get involved and destroy it, we ignore it. We tuck it away. We want to cover it up because that's not nice for my social status. 
It's not nice for the little parties I may go to where an African-American may come up who is mentioned who was killed in the streets. Ladies and gentlemen of America, make no mistake about it. This is a problem. And the casualties that we talk about is very clear. 23-year-old Martian McCarroll II, a young Ohio activist involved with Black Lives Matter movement, committed suicide on the steps of the State House in Columbus, Ohio. He killed himself as a result of this. And this is, when you hear that, are there not casualties? Are there not collateral damage? As those that even fight racism, their lives become lost. And we want to ignore it? You ignore it, it's going to visit your front step. William, your thoughts on that? Well, I, I'm just sitting here listen, listening to this to this show. And I, and I was sitting here, I was just thinking about the fact that our own government has paraded racism around so much. I was just sitting here thinking that South Carolina has lived with the Confederate flag over its over its state house for years, up until 2015. Up until 2015, when a man decides to go into an African-American church in Charleston, I believe he gunned down nine people. Yep. And nine people he gunned down. Then they finally decide that this racist symbol needs to come down as a state flag. Now, we are the United States, but how in the world can we be united if one state, its whole banner and existence is a Confederate flag? The whole representation of racism hangs from its, from its, from its state capital. How in the, I mean, I'm sitting here just listening to that. That's how proud the racists have become. Well, the, the statement that he made is that it's no longer whispered. It's shouted on housetops, on rooftops. People blatantly come in, and they actively scream, "I'm a racist." Right. Well, I, and even even as we're as the show is going on, it's in so many areas of our own government. I was sitting here looking at this this judge, Judge Siebel, who was a judge in Montana. He was a, a judge of the United States District Court. Uh, District of Montana. He was the one that was cited for all the racist, sexist, and politically inflammatory emails that he sent over four years about our president. This is a judge that is ruling over people. He is sentencing people, but yet he has basically been sending out racist emails for four years. So I'm sitting there saying, how is this? How is this? And he gets off scot-free. He gets off scot-free. He is able to retire, and no one says anything because he was, you know, basically he retires amidst his uh, the investigation of his misconduct. But he sits at home, and he got away. And some of those emails were about our own president. Racist emails by a judge in Montana. So, you know, it's 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 at every level here. And it is a disease. It is truly an infectious disease. It is it is gone in so many areas it's it's untold. So, I, you know, I, those are my thoughts. No, no, and and these are things that definitely need to be dealt with and uh we will continue to address these issues and they're very troubling. Uh ladies and gentlemen of America, if you want to call and be a part of this program tonight, pl- feel free to call 347-838-8976 and we have got uh we're able to bring Tammy back. Tammy, you with us? 
Tammy, are you with us? Okay, so we're still trying to bring her back on. Yeah, I think she might be in a bad area. Okay, Tammy, uh, if you can hear us, we're trying to bring you back on. Bear with us. Folks, again, if you want to call in to be part of this program, 347-838-8976. And uh, call in at 347-838-8976 to add your comments on it. And, uh, folks, uh, this is something that needs to be addressed. We have to have the conversation, and we have to talk about it. So um, I'll tell you what. Uh, we will continue to uh, to visit uh, not only what the president has said, uh, and he is very, very clear on what he is saying, uh, but the Congressional Black Caucus in Washington, D.C., Lisa, we had an opportunity to meet with uh, Congressman Butterfield. They are very involved. They are very involved, uh, yes. In addressing these issues, and we're getting ready to uh, give, give it an opportunity uh, to hear from them. And I think it's important that America knows this is a concern to everybody. This is not something that's just this little small group over here. When you think about the young man that took his life, a very vocal person of black lives that matter, killed himself to send a message. And he made the statement, well, I, I got you. I, uh, I get the last laugh. But your life is gone as a result of what has happened. And uh, so we are we are looking to that fact to deal with those issues. And let's hear what the Congressional Black Caucus, as they speak on the importance of race relations. Race, because one of the things that we need to distinguish today is race versus racism. Now, let me say up front, racism is on the increase in the United States. And that's a very sad and unfortunate fact. The Associated Press did a study with a leading psychologist in 2012 that found that the increase in negative attitudes uh, towards blacks as negative has increased from 48% when President Obama was elected to office to 51% in 2012. That is an increase in overt stereotyping, negative stereotyping of black people. Uh, Unfortunately, we don't have measures for Latinos For Native Americans, I would suspect that we would actually see similar patterns, uh, particularly when we think about the conversations we've had around immigration. Nonetheless, the point here is that that same study went deeper and looked at something that I would say is race that we need to distinguish, and that is implicit bias. We have two decades of social science that actually show us that our laws and policies have not kept pace with our understanding of the human brain. So here is your brain on race. Your brain on race is that 56% of Americans actually have, in that same AP study, 56% have negative attitudes towards black people that they do not know they have necessarily, right? Now that's something that's very different. So when we hear a juror in the George Zimmerman case say, this isn't about race, There's something that's actually not surprising in the cognitive science about that. Because quite frankly, most people in this country do not believe that racism is okay. And when they hear racist statements, they think that's wrong and something should be done about it. And are completely unconscious as to the ways in which our images, our constant images of young black men being arrested, or our constant images of Latinos being handcuffed at the border. 
And there you have it, folks. AJC Radio, dealing with issues in regards to racism in America. And uh, we're going to see, I believe we've been trying to get Tammy. Uh, uh, I think she's having some issues uh, with her phone. Tammy, if you can hear us, we're doing our very best to bring you back on. So bear with us uh, as we try to see it. I believe there's some issues in the area that you may be, and we'll address that issue. Um, when you hear that, what the Congressional, William, the Congressional Black Caucus is looking to do, Everybody's talking very blatant about the issues that we face. What are your thoughts as you see leaders now saying something has to be done? Well, I think they, they're, they're seeing it now because they have to see it. I mean, this is not something new. They're seeing it now because they have to see it. But now they realize they have to deal with it. They have, we have an African-American president. Uh, some of this stuff has been offensive to him. No doubt. So they're having to come to the table and say, listen, we're, we have to deal with the racism that's on the table. We have to deal with the fact that this cannot just sit here and we sit idly by and do nothing about it. So the bottom line is, like you said, this is addressing people of all colors. This is not just African-American. Well, it affects everybody. 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 When there is racism going on in America... These are issues that we have to address. And, Cliff, I believe we have a caller that has a comment. Sorry about that. I was uh, I was on mute. Yes, we do have a, a caller who uh, wants to have a couple, uh, you know, comments about what we're talking about tonight. And uh, we have uh, Larry from Atlanta, I believe is where Larry is from, and you have a comment or a question you wanted to talk to us about on this subject. Go ahead, Larry, you're live. Uh, thank you for taking my call, sir, but um, I've been listening for oh, about 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, I'm sorry to say that the things you cite as indicators of primal, prime, prima facie and overweening instances of racism that a parallel I would imagine are keeping black people from achieving or moving forward in the society, I don't see them as being very significant at all. The well, fact that they're... a black lives activist shot, his, shot himself to death on the Ohio State Courthouse, and he cited in his Facebook that my demons have got, not the racist demons, but my demons have got the best of me, doesn't indicate to me that this is something that was caused by overt American racism. The fact okay. that... Um, the fact that um, uh, 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 there are a disproportionate amount of black people in prisons, and I, I do agree with you that it's true, uh, uh, no doubt there is, but we also know for a fact, indisputable fact, that for instance, I'm not saying this is the whole reason for it, we know that blacks commit a disproportionate amount of homicides, so if there were a disproportionate amount of blacks in prison for homicide, would that be so surprising? The fact that uh, uh, victims who are the victims of armed robbery, and report those victimizations to the police, cite a black offender, whether they're black victims or white victims or whatever, 65% of them say a black robbed them. I mean, it would be uh, surprising to see a disproportionate amount of blacks in prison for armed robbery. And so okay. with many other crimes. Let us respond to that. First, first I got a okay, question. Go and my question is, when you look at a man being boiled alive in a in a in a jailhouse shower, 
180 degrees, boil till the skin comes off. When you look at the fact that cops are shooting black kids, an unarmed black child, 12 years old, no indictment, chokes a man to death on video for the world to see, no indictment, kills another kid running away from him, holding a knife, shoots him 17 times, no indictment. How do you how do you chalk that up to anything else besides well, there's racism going on? And and, well, and is, sir, outside sir, in the, wait, sir. Let, I'll let you talk for five minutes. Hold on, Larry. Give me a second. I didn't talk for five minutes. I know that. Well, okay, for however long you talk, hold on. Let me finish okay. with the question. How do you chalk this up as 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 anything but racism? And and you say, okay, well, the dis, uh, dis, uh, disproportionate amount of crime is committed by black people. How is it that you take crack cocaine and you take powder cocaine, but the but uh, but you say one is more prevalent in the black community, so you're going to charge uh, ten times more uh, sentencing for that drug than the drug that's prevalent in the white community? How do you call that anything? But racism, answer those questions for me, Larry. Tell me what the answer uh, okay, to Okay, sir, I'll be happy to. I'll be happy to. First of all, uh, you were factually incorrect. I believe you were referring to the Laquan McDonald shooting in Chicago by the Chicago police officer. He was indicted. He is awaiting trial right now. So the fact that they, you said there was no indictment is simply factually inaccurate. It, he was one. indicted by a grand jury. Number two, the Tamir Rice shooting was also investigated by a grand jury. There's an extensive findings by the grand jury, and they said that under Cleveland law and under police procedure on the use of force continuum, the police officers were sadly justified in their shooting of him. Now, no, I mean, you don't agree with it. You don't agree with it, but that the was the finding by the grand jury. Now, the grand jury never voted vote on that. They the never right. voted. They did, it, madam. That's not it, it, true. They did vote on it. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, Larry, uh, and I'll tell you this. This is carrots to peas, if you will. The bottom line is the majority of the United States of America is aware of the racial issues in this country. Now, well, yes, do, uh, you do, didn't mention the ones that I think are really important. Well, you let, didn't let mention me tell you them at all. Let me tell you this real quick. The issues that we address on this program are critical. You have a 6'4 man saying he drowned in a pool. You have Walter Scott getting out of a car, being shot in the back. You have Michael Brown unarmed, being killed by a police yeah, and officer. Well, oh, Let me explain this something on that one. Let me explain this to you, though. At the end of the day, we have an issue in this country. We can go uh, back and forth and debate, well, this is an issue, over-incarceration of black uh, okay. uh, and minorities. We can speak to well, all of that. But we're speaking about the issues that have shaped the foundation of this country in a very big way, in a significant way, especially when you have Eric Gardner in New York City being murdered by police officers. That's not true, sir. It's not true. Well, that's your that's opinion. Not, it's, well, it's not true. It's not true that's what you said about home. Michael Brown either. You, you seem to forget that, that you know Barack Obama, the very man you cite as speaking to these racial issues, well, Barack Obama, his Justice Department conducted an investigation on Officer Wilson's action, and it said the report me, they made sounded as if it could have been written by his defense attorney. Let me, let me, let me explain this to you the really Department quick. Department of Justice, did you read what they wrote? Here's what we're going to do. And, and I appreciate your call tonight, uh, Larry. We appreciate you calling. But I will tell you this, folks. It is very clear. One thing is certain. It doesn't matter if the Department of Justice did an investigation. 
It doesn't matter if the police department did an internal investigation. An investigation was just done with the with Darren who was killed in Florida. Boiled, Boiled, Boiled to, death. to death. And their response was it was accidental. So we give no credence to a so-called investigation. And the investigation amounts to nothing. And the bottom line, we put Eric Holder on blast too for the lack, the lack of action by the Department of Justice. The bottom line is, <laughs> that's that's really kind of frustrating because the bottom line is, you saw these cases. Eric Gardner's case was a case that was just out there in in plain view for everybody to see. If I mean, he's a black man being choked by white officers. If it was a white man being choked by black officers, would the outcome have been the same? No. We know the outcome would, would not have been the same. The bottom line is, if there was a black officer that would have choked a white man, they would be sitting in jail now. Well, there you go. And uh, I believe, uh, Cliff, we have Tammy back. Yes, Tammy, uh, we have your line live. Uh, can you hear us? Tammy, are you with us? Okay, there's uh, apparently uh, a problem. Tammy, we thank you for joining us tonight. We are having an issue bringing you on. I don't know what happened uh, there uh, to bring you back. We've been trying uh, with a lot of effort to bring you back. We appreciate you. I will call you offline tonight if you can't hear me. Uh, But I'll tell you right now, uh, these are important issues. You can call in and, and raise your voice and think you have a story investigations fail all the time and you know lamont that this is what the problem is is that we can look at the fact we have video footage of a man being choked to death by nypd we have video footage of a 12 year old boy in mayor right being being shot by a police officer within three seconds of him jumping out of a car with an unarmed child we have uh we have video footage of a person running away from a police officer and getting shot several times. And the and the issue is that you have people that that are of the uh, opinion, let's say, that there is nothing wrong with that picture. That is where the problem is. If if Larry, if you can say that you don't have a problem with what you see in these acts. With you seeing a, a, a boy, a 12-year-old boy being shot to death by the police, if you say that that is not a problem, no, he then, thinks that's justice. then yeah. you have but, a problem. Oh, he's got a problem. That is where the problem lies, is in acts like that. And the people in the community who, who give the police justifications and say, I don't see any problem with you shooting a 12-year-old boy. I don't see, you, I don't well, see any problem with you shooting well, a man in the back. Well, as long as he is a black this is called deflection and if we can deflect on on that issue um we uh the american people will attempt to do that and it's not all the american people so what you have here you if you want to justify a a fact that an investigation was done and it was found according to law well laws are bad the grand jury is a joke So when you cite the grand jury that they found this or found that, it is one-sided. Number one, on any grand jury, the defense cannot be in the room. It is strictly the position of the state or the prosecutor. We've talked about that. Congressman Hank Johnson looking into changing the grand jury process, making it fair. So if you want to come on this program, we we welcome your opinion. But make no mistake about it, we will speak to that issue. We will address that issue until we have the tough conversation. Nothing is going to change. 
you run up against a monster at AJC Radio. We will deal with the issues. We will ask the tough questions. We will ask you to be accountable for your comments. You better come and do your homework. When you come on AJC Radio, we intend to deal with those issues as it, it is deemed necessary, uh, and we will continue to do that. Go ahead, William. No, I was just sitting there thinking, I, you know, all the cases that we've talked about tonight, the caller, you know, his comments. The thing that really bothers me is that, go back to what you said, Lamont, racism impacts everybody. So if you look at every one of the cases we talked about, every one of the situations we talk about, and you do a race reversal, if you look at Michael Brown being white and Darren Wilson being black, if you look at Trayvon Martin being white and George Zimmerman being black, if if you can honestly look at those situations and you don't think the outcome would be different, if you don't think the outcome of those, of the grand jury, of the investigation, of the indictments, of all those things would have been different, you are greatly deceived. Well, without question, and I'll tell you right now, folks, uh, if, again, it may be wintertime here in Colorado today. We said the temperature was 38 degrees, cloudy with some sun, but I think we've reached over 100 degrees Fahrenheit here at AJC Radio as we continue to address the issues of injustice that face and plague a nation. And I'll tell you right now, folks, this conversation will continue, and uh, we appreciate Tammy Donnelly joining us tonight for this segment of the program. I uh, had some communication issues getting through. Uh, we appreciate you. We will definitely uh, uh, post your information on our website. Ladies and gentlemen, go to ajcradio.com, uh, and you can actually, uh, hopefully, uh, we'll have that posted here later this evening to get in contact with Tammy as we continue to fight for justice for people who are suffering at the hands uh, of, a, of a corrupt system. But right now, we change gears. We ask you to strap in, and we ask you to lean back. Because right now we go to a segment, what you didn't know about the RP6. Some people think that business is a game. And what we have learned is that business actually is war. When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. strange to me. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And then all of a sudden your whole life is ripped apart. What we have learned is that the RP6 story was supposed to be the American dream is an American nightmare. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Um, uh, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it, it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men six businessmen that had been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over it. Justice is not fair anymore. They said justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send to jail. Is this happening in America? The American dream of the RP6 
has turned into a nightmare, crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers as justice lays idle in the streets of America. We look for the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, go out to change.org. Sign the petition now. America's future depends on it. Ladies and gentlemen of America, right now we deal with an issue of the IRP-6. The IRP-6 were wrongfully convicted here in the state of Colorado for crimes that they never committed. Who are the IRP-6? We'll say it again. David Banks, Gary Walker, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Clinton Stewart, and Demetrius Harper. Tonight we address an issue of what you didn't know about the IRP-6. And the big question that's asked among a line of people, why did the IRP-6 go pro se? What was the motivating factor in them going pro se? They say you're an idiot, we've heard. Why would you challenge the government without formal counsel? The true answer to that question is because the counsel appointed by the court was incompetent. They failed to talk to the IRP-6 in regards to evidence to discovery and refused to talk to them about strategy in regards to their defense. They refused to take and honor the oath that they took to defend the Constitution and to defend these defendants against this wrongful and malicious prosecution. When you think about that, pro se, it was critical. People point fingers. They say, why would they do such a thing? Because they were fighting for their lives. Williams, your thoughts on pro se what was the urgency of that? Well, I, I, bottom line is you pointed it out. If you don't have people that's going to, to represent you, that's going to listen to your strategy, listen to your cl- case, I mean, you have to do that. If, you, if the court-appointed attorneys are not going to put forth an effort to take a stand and listen to you, defend your case, then, then what's the point? What's the point of you standing here smiling in my face and you're not here to defend me? You're not here to understand this case and what I'm going through. And so, I, you know, I, I, I commend the guys. I commend the guys for doing that. And so it's a very big step. It's a bold step, but it was something that was needed. Like you said, it was something that they had to do fighting for their lives. If no one is going to listen to you, if no one is going to step up and, 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 and to your defense, then you're going to have to defend yourself. Oh, without question. And I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, the, the founders made it clear that you had the right to defend yourself. There was a reason that was put in as an option for a defendant, because there had to be some type of indication that fairness may not be on the side of defendants, and they would need to take that action. Cliff? And you also have to look at the fact that when the IRP-6 uh, compiled a process, and this is the business that we did, this is how we conducted, this is everything that we did that shows that we abided by all the guidelines uh, that staffing industries and companies abide by every day. They created that proffer, presented, wanted to present that to uh, the U.S. attorney, uh, John Walsh, said we would like to have a meeting that was, we will come before you and show you everything that we did 
as a business. And if there's something in here that is incorrect, then you can you can bring us up on charges of perjury, on charges of whatever. The attorneys that were appointed to the IRP-6 said they would not go into John Walsh, the U.S. attorney, with the IRP-6. That was the only way he would he would sit down with them. The attorneys together collectively said, we will not go with you in front of the U.S. attorney. How do you then think that this person has your best interests at heart? When you say, I have the truth, I want to present it to the person who uh, can make the decision whether the, the, uh, the, the things against me will be dropped or held. And you will not even give us the courtesy to go in with us to present the proper. That is why the IRP6 said these attorneys are not for us. We'd be better off going uh, uh, up against the government on that. And I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, the IRP6 did an outstanding job, but was cut, their legs were cut off to present a defense. The defense presented by the IRP6 was clear. It was perfectly clear that their arguments were relevant. But we had Federal Judge Christine Arguello and AUSA uh, Matthew Kirst who refused, who worked together to ensure a conviction because they set the mandate. They set the tone of the trial, thus forcing these men to go pro se. That's unacceptable because every defendant has a right to counsel, to a clear and, and, and uh, uh, good defense to take the position to defend their positions as they saw fit. Their attorneys failed to honor that oath. They failed to do it, thus they were fired. And they, uh, they took the right to defend themselves, and they were cut down at every level. Perpetrators of justice, those that don't care, those that don't matter. Lisa, who are they? This is what you didn't know about the IRP-6. We continue next time on this issue. Lisa, who are the perpetrators of justice? They are U.S. Attorney John Walsh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sunita Hazra, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Appellate Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Harris Hart, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer, Court Reporter Darlene Martinez, FBI Agent John Smith, FBI Agent Robert Mullen, former Federal Agent John Epke, former Federal Agent Gary Hilberry, Attorney Thomas Goodreed, Attorney Clifford Varner, Attorney Thomas Richard, Attorney Robert Berger, Attorney Mitchell Baker, Attorney Boston Staten Jr., Attorney Rick Kornfeld, Attorney Mark Garagos, Susan Holland of ETI Professional Services, and Samuel K. Thurman. Oh, there you have it, folks. If you're wondering what the most wanted list is, they are the perpetrators of justice who have sent six innocent men to prison, known as the RP6. David Banks, Gary Walker, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Clinton Stewart, Demetrius Harper. These are fathers. These are husbands that seek justice. Ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. We want to take a moment to understand and have you understand racism is alive and well in America. To hear this show, go to AJCRadio.com, click on the archives, and you can hear this show. Pass it on to your friends, folks. We've dealt in some issues tonight that are huge that must be addressed. Please uh, feel free to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and also, again, go to AJCRadio.com. You can hear all of these programs. And, folks, we continue to bring the message of justice around the world. We ask that you remember Renee Lima Marin, fighting for justice. Go to change.org, sign his petition. Go to change.org and sign the RP6 petition as we ask President Obama to grant clemency 
uh, along with uh, H. Lee Sarrigan's recommendation that these men be released because they have been done a huge miscarriage of justice. Cliff? Yes, I want to say thank you to uh, our guests, Bimo Cephas and uh, Tammy Donnelly. Thank you for taking time out of your evening to join with us tonight. Also, I want to say thank you to all of our callers, everyone in the chat room. We appreciate everyone's perspective when you call in to tune in uh, to AJC Radio. Also, want to say thank you to our production team, Captain Kyle and Dustin Jackson with K&D Productions, helping out Ill Skillers Girl in the Control Room, making sure you hear what it is that we have to say. Also, to our production support team, they give us accurate and up-to-date information so we can pass that on to you. And to the truth, we know you're out there, and we appreciate it. And ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about this one. On Thursday, uh, we will be honoring a champion on Capitol Hill. You don't want to miss this program, folks. We take a moment, and we will be honoring Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. Oh, yes. And I'll tell you, we had an opportunity to sit down with her a year ago uh, in Washington, and I'll tell you, that's a tough lady that makes that doesn't that doesn't make any mistake of the strength, the leadership of who she is is over the top. Lisa, you were there. Oh, Your yes. thoughts on this upcoming show as we oh, honor my her. Oh God, that's going to be awesome. She is such a powerhouse and such an awesome, awesome lady. That is going to be probably one of the best shows we've ever aired. You know how I feel about powerful, strong women. Well, there you go, folks. Don't miss it. AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill kicks off Thursday as we honor Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, William Williams, and the entire AJC Radio team. Good night, America, as we search to bring the message of justice all around the world. Good night, America. Good night. Good night. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I say to you today, my friend, let freedom ring. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, When we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Indeed, it is a time for wisdom. For yet again, the family of a young black man is grieving a life cut short. 
Yet again, the streets of an American city are marred by violence, by shattered glass and shouts of anger and shows of force. Yet again, a community is reeling, its fault lines laid bare, and its bonds of trust and respect frayed. Yet again, brave police officers have been attacked in the line of duty. What we have seen in Baltimore should, indeed, I think does, tear at our souls. From Ferguson to Staten Island to Baltimore, the patterns have become unmistakable and undeniable. Walter Scott shot in the back in Charleston, South Carolina, unarmed, in depth, terrified of spending more time in jail for child support payments he couldn't afford. Tamir Rice shot in a park in Cleveland, Ohio, unarmed and just 12 years old. Eric Garner choked to death after being stopped for selling cigarettes on the streets of our city. And now, Freddie Gray. His spine nearly severed while in police custody. Not only as a mother and a grandmother, but as a citizen, a human being, my heart breaks for these young men and their families. We have to come to terms with some hard truths about race and justice in America.